right, let's get into it, guys. So, I'm going to give you an overview of the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I wanted to include Isaiah 48 because I thought it was only appropriate. It says, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. So, I don't know, like, the Bible's always there, guys, just saying. But, um, yeah, so then we have table of contents. Please appreciate the flowers. Come on, <laughs> the flowers. I worked hard to make those even. So, anyways, so there's my table of contents. So, I'm going to focus a lot on God's redemptive plan. So, if you don't know what God's redemptive plan is, um, it's where we see since the beginning God has been trying um, to redeem us as fallen humans into restoration and fellowship with God once again. And then I wanted to do a C.S. Lewis quote because, you know, he's the man. Um, so, and this quote kind of um, describes, like, God's character and nature as well as God's redemptive plan. It says, God has purposes and performs particular actions, does one thing and not another, is a concrete, choosing, commanding, prohibiting God with a determinate character. So I think that's something to remember is, like, there's a reason why God does and why he doesn't. Um, and how, regardless what he does and he doesn't, he always um, is true to his character. So, really important. Um, so, yeah, we're going to get into it. Um, we're going to start with the origins and worldview. Adam and Eve, you already know, little sparkles in there. I don't know, kind of fun. So, it probably didn't look like that, but let's just pretend it did. So, yeah, here's my timeline. And we will get started. So, the main characters um, during this week are God, obviously. Adam and Eve, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, and Job. The time period was 4,000 B.C. to 1,400 B.C. And this, um, during this week, we read Genesis, Exodus, and Job. So as you know, it starts out as like, in the beginning, and it gets like all cool and like mysterious and all this stuff. And so we see how like God creates everything. He creates the heavens, the earth, the stars, the plants, the animals. Um, he also creates humans. He creates Adam and Eve, um, who were in this picture. Um, but we're going to see that they are going to fall short before the glory of God, and they are going to eat something. I think it was an apple, but we can discuss that later. They're going to eat a fruit, okay? And pretty much that's going to bring curse, a curse on the earth. Sin and death is just going to, like, bam, like it's there. Um, and so we're going to see that since this time, God is really going um, to restore. We're going to see some themes of redemption and deliverance. Um, we're going to see suffering and divine justice and, and also the, the mystery of God. Um, we're going to see how um, God is going to rise up, um, specifically um, a man um, named Noah um, and Abraham as well, um, to really help redeem the people during this time, um, to really help, um, yeah, bring, bring the relationship with God back together. And what I mean by that is the Abrahamic covenant, um, we're going to see... Um, that God is going to promise Abraham, like, listen, dude, I'm going to bless you and your descendants. Um, I really want to help you out. Like, I want to be with you guys again. Um, and we're going to see, um, yeah, like the Sinai Covenant, the Ten Commandments. Um, we're going to see that during this time, the people are still going to rebel. So we're going to see um, slavery is going to be taking place in Egypt. Um, and, yeah, the people, they, they don't know Yahweh. And so pretty much... God is going to um, lead them into exile out of Egypt, um, and during this time, they're going to be traveling in the wilderness. They're going to face um, many, many crazy challenges, 
Um, this, is, this mostly takes place in Exodus. Um, but we're going to see how God is still going to restore um, and also how he is provider. You know, we're going to see these crazy things um, like manna falling from the sky, the Red Sea partying, um, a plague, water literally just like exploding. I think it exploded out of a rock, but whatever. Um, and then I also included Genesis 3.15. Um, where it says, I will put um, enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Um, This is very important because we see from this point on um, this fulfillment of the Messianic King. Um, And we're going to see, yeah, that God's redemptive plan is just truly going to be to restore relationship with humanity, no matter the cost, um, but still remaining faithful um, to his character, which is very, very important. Um. So, yeah, then let me just make sure I touched. Yeah, and also with Exodus, like I said, with, like, how the people are rebelling, specifically how they were rebelling against God, is they're worshiping all these, like, pagan um, gods. So we see that, like, they had God, they had Yahweh, but they wanted everything but Yahweh. And that's what is really sad about it is, like, they had everything at their fingertips, but they were selfish. And so, um, yeah, but then we see people who weren't so selfish, like Job, um, and during this time, you know, Job, he lost everything and, you know, he suffered a lot, um, but he still, he still had faith in the suffering. He still had hope in the suffering. And I think that's, what's, um, really important. I think we all can for sure relate to, um, Job and, and losing things. Um, so yeah, then we're going to go to, oh, here's my two pictures. I'm going to go a little fast on you guys. So yeah, I don't know. Kind of cool. I like the vibe. Um, anyways. So, now, yeah, we're going into the Pentateuch week now. Oh, here's my little timeline. So, Pentateuch week was Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. This was during 1500 and 1400 BC. Some main themes is sacrifices, atonement, holiness, specifically God's holiness, um, the importance of holiness, faithfulness, trust, um, election, faithfulness, um, again, obedience, and Yahweh's promise of the blessings. So the main thing that I can say to sum up Pentateuch is sanctification. Like one word I would say would be sanctification. And so pretty much most people know Leviticus as like this rule book. um, But we're going to see throughout um, Pentateuch week, it's basically like an accumulation of the story of Israel's exodus from the oppression um, in in Egypt and their journey um, to take possession of the land promised, the promised land that that God um, said like, hey, I'm going to promise this land to you guys. Like I'm going to bless you guys. Um, so pretty much during this time, we're going to see, see, see that period. Um, and so as well, we still have, um, we still have Moses, we have Aaron, Joshua, Moses was, um, who led the people out of exile, um, in Egypt. And so we're going to see that he's still going to be leading, um, the people. Um, and then we're going to see some main events such as, um, laws concerning sacrifice. We're going to finally see this institution of priesthood. Um, before this, we didn't, there wasn't really priests, so we're going to see that there's there's going to start to be a priesthood. There's going to start to be this, um, yeah, like kind of these rules in the way that things should be as far as um, offerings, you know, as um, the Day of Atonement. We're going to start to see Sabbaths. We're going to start to see, you know, ritual cleanliness, um, consecration of sins, all these burnt offerings, all these grain offerings, all these peace offerings. We're going to see all this happening, and the way it's happening is um, they're going to make a, a, a tabernacle for, for God's presence to dwell um, and so in this, they, you know, they have to give offerings because we're going to see that God is holy. He is so holy. And 
these people are, are so not holy, right? So the only way that they can be holy is by giving these sacrifices and, and by fulfilling um, the Ten Commandments and, and all these rules. Um, something really important is the De Deuteronomic Covenant um, happens during this time. Um, and this is, yeah, just really important. Um, sorry, I'm looking at my notes. It's kind of all over the place. Um, yeah, this is really important because this is when God um, says he will prosper the people as long as they follow the rules. So pretty much it's like, I will bless you if you follow me, but like, if not, like, you out, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want you type thing, not really, but um, yeah, so pretty much that's very important. And so during this time, we're going to see that God's character and nature is holy, gracious, and a promise keeper. We're going to see that um, he's still promising them, um, yeah, like this, this, like where they, they're going to dwell in like this, this, um, this promised land and that he, he's still going to fulfill and that his plan is that um, though God's people failed and they will continue to fail God, God will not fail them, and he will, ex um, he will extend the covenant on the basis of their faith, not by works. Even though they are giving all these offerings and stuff, the reality is he's like, it doesn't matter if you give me, you know, a non-blemished lamb. Like, if you don't believe in me, like, that's, yeah, that's completely pointless. So it's very important that I realize that, that God is still going to, to fulfill even when the people fail. God is not going to fail. Um, and I also mentioned Leviticus 27 through 8. It says, consecrate yourselves therefore and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. So this is important because he's really saying, like, for the for the covenant he makes, like, if you, yeah, if you remain in me and follow my rules, then, like, I will bless you. Um, we're also going to see in Numbers, um, it also talks just about how they need to, yeah, continue obeying the Lord and sustaining um, the chosen leaders, such as the priests that are going to be elected. Um, and then, in do, uh, do, sorry, I have a really hard time pronouncing it. Deuteronomy, there we go, um, is pretty much just a recap of God's faithfulness, God's holiness, his blessings, and also his warnings and how he's going to call them to obedience and to be faithful to him. So during this time is when we really just see like a bunch of rules being set into place because the rebellion is just, yeah, it's going crazy. So he's like, I'm trying to contain you guys by, but, but still loving, like because I love you type thing. So next we're going to go into tribal week. This is the promised land. This is like a real life picture, guys. Like, this isn't a drawing. This is real. Yeah, it is, actually. <laughs> so, tribal week. So, during this time, we read Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and Psalms. There's a lot that could be said during this week, but I really want to focus on the cycle of sin. So, here's my cycle of sin. So, just kind of like what Cassie said, um, it starts out like, um, there's peace in the earth, people are serving Yahweh, it's so magical. And then they're going to do evil, and they're going to be like, nah, I reject you, Jesus. And then, well, God. And then they're going to be punished, okay? They're going to be punished. But then they're going to cry out before the Lord and be like, I'm sorry. Take me back, Lord, please. And then God's going to be like, okay, fine. So he's going to send a judge. So we're going to see there's 12 judges during this period. And God is going to deliver them through these judges. We'll try to. And Israel's going to be delivered, and then there's going to be peace in the land. And then we're going to see the cycle. It's just going to keep happening. Um, but the reason why God sent these judges is because the people, um, you know, were now now in the promise, um, promised land. Um, and they, they were told to kick out everyone, but they didn't. They only kicked out some people. And so because of this, we have all these different cultures intertwining. We have, like, all these pagan gods. We have these different languages. We have all these crazy things happening. And so the people are choosing um, to follow these pagan gods yet again instead of following God. So in order to restore yet again... He's going to send all these different judges 
um, to help them acknowledge, like, hey, like, I am the way. Like, Yahweh, I am the way. So, um, yeah, you know. Anyways, so pretty much um, we're going to see, yeah, they're, they're so influenced by all these people, but um, he's going to send these judges um, to really just come and try to save these people. Um, so we see that his, his great redemptive plan, God's redemptive plan, is um, all the promises that God says he will fulfill to the Israelites and that he will, regardless if the people obey him or not, that he will stay true to his character. But we also see that he's a, um, a God of justice. We see that the people are going to do wrong, and there's consequences with that. Um, when people do wrong, you know, just like a loving father does, like he disciplines and he lets them know when they're doing wrong. Um, and I also mentioned Joshua 1.7. It says, Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. So, and then, yeah, I mean, I guess I could talk about Ruth. I mean, she's pretty cool. But pretty much we see, like, yeah, Ruth, she was one of the faithful people during this time, okay, because most of them weren't. But she was. She was faithful, and um, it. this is, like, one of the first books we see where God actually isn't even mentioned. And I think this is important because um, this is the first time in the Bible we see that God um, is, in, is at work in our day-to-day activities um, as average people, that you don't have to be upper class, you don't have to be a priest for God to move in your life. Um, so I think that's that's really cool. Um, and then Psalms, I'm going to wait until we get to David week because even though. Oh, so I have something. I forgot. So, guys, my favorite judge was Samson, a.k.a. promiscuous boy, a.k.a. Dwayne Johnson. What I mean by this, when your dad gives your wife away to your homie. Yeah. Anyways. I wanted to throw that in there. But doesn't that, that definitely looks like Samson. I'm just saying, like, if Samson could be somebody today, it would be Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> Anyways, that's besides the point. So, yeah, there's the meme. Forgot about that one. So, yeah, moving into David, this nice, nice man. So, here's my timeline. It's, yeah. Anyways, moving on. Okay. So, this week was really intense, guys. It's so intense. So pretty much we're going to see during this week that just like before, the Israelites want to be like other nations. They want to worship these pagan gods. They want to, um, even though they're supposed to be influencing others, they're being influenced. So pretty much we're going to see that um, they want a king. They're going to be like, yo, God, we want a king. My guy, we want a king. And they're going to be like, he's going to be like, I am your king. And they're going to be like, no, no, we want someone better. He's going to be like, all right, fine. So he's going to send a king, and it's going to be Saul. And Saul is terrible. Well, he's not terrible. He's pretty bad, though. Um, but pretty much he starts, like, worshiping all these, like, pagan gods. He has, like, all these concubines, which most kings did during this time. Um, but he had a lot of pride, and I think that is really what destroyed Saul, was just the pride that he had in his heart. Um, and yeah, and so because of this, the people are going to be like, we want another king. And so God's kind of going to be working and he's going to start to rise up another king and it's going to be King David. David was a shepherd, um, very not known. Even his dad was like, you don't want him. Like, trust me, let him stay in the field, do his own thing. Like, he's not that good. And God's going to be like, I want him. Like, I want David. Um, and so pretty much David, yeah, we're going to see he like destroys this like big giant or whatever with like a stone 
and um, pretty much people are going to be like, wow, this guy, like, has the power of God, like, because he's so tiny, like, he's not capable of doing this on his own, and pretty much people are, yeah, people are going to really like David. We're going to see um, David, they refer to David as, as a man after the Lord's heart, and so I think that's that's really cool that we finally see this king um, that's truly seeking the Lord, unlike Saul, he's, he's actually wanting um, to pursue relationship with the Lord and honestly create an atmosphere of for God's presence um, to dwell amongst the people. And so, yeah, um, with that, we're going to see um, David, even though he was great, he's going to fall short. Um, he's going to commit adultery, but that's okay because he's going to repent before the Lord. And because of that, like, God's going to um, make a covenant with David, the Davidic covenant, and where he's going to promise a descendant of David that is going to reign on the throne of um, over the people of God. So this is very important because this is whenever we first start to see this idea of this messianic king coming. So that's very, very important. Um, and then, yeah, so also during this time, um, this week, we also read um, Ecclesiastes and Proverbs. These are considered the wisdom books. Um, and this is honestly, it just shows us today. It teaches us how to live life successfully, how to practice righteousness in all things um, by living our lives under the authority and direction of God. Um, and it also shows that, yeah, there's going to be pain and instability in our lives, but that we still need to cling to the hope of God. Um, so we also read those books during David week, um, which really ties into David because it shows like that's what David did, like during his desperate times is just cling to the hope of God. Um, and so, yeah, we see that God's character and nature is that he's a promise keeper. Um, he's still going to bless the people and, and look out for the people. And then his redemptive plan is the Davidic covenant, how he's going to restore humanity with him once again. But, like, like this is, like, it. Like, once and for all. Like, he's going to restore. Like, that's it. Like, we don't have to worry about, like, ever, like, losing connection with God type thing. And then I mentioned 2 Samuel 7, 16. And it says, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Next, we enter King's Week. Here's a picture. I also noticed the woman is nude in that picture, so we're just going to move on. Yeah, it's too late. It's there. But anyways, so King's Week. Um, so, yeah, during this week, this was also a very, very intense week. Also, real quick, I'm going to show you guys my King's timeline because I will forget, and that's really important. Um, it's very colorful if I can zoom in. I don't know if it's going to let me zoom in. Oh, wait, where is it? Oh, wait, okay, I see it. Oh, perfect. Okay, yeah, guys, so here she is, all vibrant. Um, I'm trying. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot here. There's a lot here, but it's pretty much just my timeline of all the kings during this period. We're going to see, yeah, just um, a bunch of kings because we're going to see that Israel is going um, to split. There's going to be a downfall. Um, what's going to happen is, um, sorry. Yeah. Um, so we're going to see that Israel, actually Jerusalem. Yeah, Israel is going to split. Um, let me go back to this. So, yeah. Okay, sweet. Yeah. So we are going to see that after King David is going to come a few other kings. King David's going to die. King Solomon's going to come. King Solomon um, was pretty bad. He's a pretty bad king. And so we're going to see just like all this corruption happening still within um, the people. And so because of this, um, 
yeah, Israel's going to split into two parts, the northern and southern. Um, we're going to have Israel and Judah. And so during this time, we see that, like, they've both split apart. And so we're going to see these different kings in the north and in the south and how they're honestly terrible. Like, they're pretty bad. But we're going to see that even during this time, God is going to send significant people such as um, Elijah and Elijah, the prophets, who, um, again, are going to try to redeem. Um, God's character and nature is really just redeemer. And we're going to see um, that God is going to use this exile to prepare the Israelites and the tribe of Judah for the coming of the Messianic king to fulfill his promise through the Davidic covenant. So even though they feel like this is the end, like they've been led into exile, they don't have anything because, you know, like Assyria destroys Judah, Babylon destroys um, Jerusalem. We're going to see that, like, they feel like they don't have anything, like this is it. But God is going to use this exile for good. Like God is truly going to use this exile to bring the people back together once and for all in one city, one nation, one body, one tribe, one tongue. So really cool stuff. Um, but, yeah. Um, so also, let's see if I mentioned everything. Yeah, um, significance, so like the split of Israel, I just want to mention the date, 931 B.C. That's a very important date. So um, to just remember that, I want to highlight that. And then I also have um, Second um, Chronicles 7.14. It says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Um, so, yeah. Next, we're going into early prophets. I thought that picture was kind of cool. But anyways, so, yeah. So now we go into early prophets. This is um, some of the books we read. Amos, Hosea, Joel, Micah, Isaiah, Jonah. My favorite was Hosea. Um, I really liked Hosea. But um, we're going to see this idea um, that God is going to send all these prophets to speak on his behalf about the injustice that is taking place in both the northern and southern kingdoms. So even though they split, it's like it's just getting worse from here. Like there's going to be really like a lot of corruption, a lot of pagan gods, sexual immorality, like all these sins um, that the people are just, yeah, continuously falling into. Um, and so we're going to see, um, yeah, like the pursuit of luxury, this excessive pursuit of luxury, the oppression of the poor, self-indulgence, um, things like that is like the injustice that these people, as well as the leaders, a lot of the kings are starting um, in the northern and southern kingdoms. Um, but we're going to see how God is going to send these prophets to warn the people of the judgment that God is going to bring, but that in the judgment there will be restoration, just kind of like a purify, like a purifying, um, like, you know, like how sometimes people, like how um, fire can be kind of like a healing mechanism for certain things, kind of like that. Like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to suck and it's going to hurt really bad, but it's like purifying. It's, it's to bring out like all of those nasty things and to replace them with good things. And so we're going to see that God is merciful, but he's also just, that the judgment they will face isn't half of what they deserve, but that he's merciful in giving them judgment rather than just letting them wander because he is a loving father. He does care. He wants them to do good. He wants to see them su succeed. And so his, his plan is that he's going to bring justice, that he's going to roar like a lion against social injustice, but that he's also going to bring mercy that he will continue to fulfill his promises by foreshadowing after exile the restoration of his people. And then I mentioned Micah 6, 8. It says, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness. So those are the early prophets. And then we have the late prophets, which as well is very similar. Um, these prophets um, are also going to speak on behalf of the injustice that is taking place in the northern and southern kingdoms as well. And we're still going to see that God is going to redeem. He's going to redeem the people and the land. 
that he will redeem his relationship with them by cleansing them of their sins and guilt, and that he's going to redeem everything that the people um, broke. And we see that um, God calls judgment on all the nations so that they can be purified and reformed into one nation, serving God alone in one place in this new Jerusalem. And I mentioned Ezekiel 36, 26 um, says, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will be within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Um, so we're going to see that God is really, yeah, he's wanting to restore everything that the people have honestly, like, like broke and destroyed everything that they touched. And so God is really going to, during this time, um, try to prepare these people for this new Jerusalem and this messianic king that he promised um, in David's lineage, um, that he's, he's going to restore not only the land, but individually each person's heart, not certain tribes, not certain priests, not anything like that. Like, he's going to restore everyone, which I think is very important. Um, yeah, I just wanted that in there <laughs> because why wouldn't I? Um, so yeah, enjoy that. Uh, Hannah, thank you for being in the picture. I didn't ask for consent, but I'm sure it's fine. Um, but yeah, enjoy that. Um, if you want it, I, maybe I can like, you know, send it to you later. Anyways, I just thought it was, it was nice. It was a nice picture of me. That was, that was a nice moment for me. I was very happy, as you can tell. Anyways. Moving on, so we have now the post-exilic and intertestamental week. Now I'm going to start talking a little bit slower because this is when it gets a little more real, guys. Well, it's always been real, but for me, it's powerful. So during this time, this is like during the Old and New Testament. So this is like kind of that awkward like stage. Um, So we're going to see the main events during this time is the temple reconstruction. So, like, after the kingdom split up and everything, like, the temple got destroyed, everything was destroyed. And so we're going to see that the temple reconstruction is going to take place. We're going to see these different um, kind of cultures also coming in, such as the Greek Empire. We're going to see this idea of Hellenization, um, which is pretty much just, like, the Greek language, culture, and religion. So we're going to start to see just, yeah, kind of how society is just, like, changing a lot. Um... We're going to see the Maccabee Revolt, um, which is going to end up the Romans reigning, which will be the time when the Messianic king is around. I can't say his name just yet. But anyways, um, when he comes, we're going to see that the Romans are going to be reigning. Um, but the main idea of, of during this period um, was that God is still going to be sending prophets, Haggai and Malachi, to bring reformation to Jerusalem by confronting the Israelites on the things they're doing wrong. So after the people um, have split apart, into different nation, into different northern and southern kingdoms, they're going to come back together, and so they're coming back to Jerusalem, and the city's ruined, right? So they have to start rebuilding. They have to start restoring everything. So they're going to start rebuilding the temple. They're going to um, start giving offerings again, um, and yeah, just really coming together as one nation. But we're going to see that they're still going to do wrong. We're going to see that there's going to be defilement of the temple. They're not going to take care of the temple. The offerings that they're going to give are going to be bad and blemished offerings. People are going to be committing adultery, specifically the priests, the priests that are supposed to be the ones to be the example and be like, hey, adultery is not cool, are going to be the ones committing adultery. And then also um, we're still going to see this idea of men marrying all these foreign women, which is allowing just the pagan gods to come right back into their culture. Um, So the three main characters is Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah, and these are the three dudes that are going to help lead the people that have been exiled back to Jerusalem. And so in that, they're going to rebuild the temple, they're going to rebuild the wall, and also um, social reformation is going to take place. Um, And so during this time, we're going to see 
that Zerubbabel, he's going to end up being the governor of the people of Jerusalem. Um, he's going to help um, rebuild the temple. We're going to see Ezra, he's going to bring, he was a priest and a scribe. He brings more of the social reformation, and that is where he's pretty much going to tell the people, like, hey, what you're doing is wrong. Marrying these foreign women is wrong. Committing adultery is wrong. Like, you need to repent and turn away from all of this. Um, and then we're going to see um, Nehemiah, who is going to um, rebuild the wall. And also, he's going to help um, He's going to help the people of Jerusalem um, with the help of the Levites um, to come back, to confess their sins, um, the, to um, yeah, make renewal of the covenant um, and vowing to, to follow the covenant as well. So we're going to see that all these guys are going to um, help lead the Reformation to Jerusalem. Um, and that, yeah, this is going to be really just a time of, of God being a refiner, that he is going to, going to start to remove their um, impurities and moral imperfections and creating more pure spirits, minds, and hearts in the people. And so his plan is that there's going to be restoration um, of Jerusalem and that the idea is that everyone is going to come together, that all nations, tongues, and tribes serving the same God in the same city. We're going to see just this idea of, like, equality. Like, we're all coming together. We're all loving the Lord. Like, there's one God, like, just all coming together as a big family. And so I mentioned Ezra 1.3. It says, whoever is among you of all his people, may his God be with you and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in, in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. So. Okay, guys. The moment you've all been waiting for. If you can give me a little drum roll, please. All right. Jesus week. So I worked really hard on this aesthetic. I really think it's, I could honestly stare at this picture for like 20 minutes. Like, I think it's a beautiful picture. Um, anyways, so yeah, Jesus week, guys. So here we go. So excited. So now we have entered the New Testament. So we have seen that the people are now living in Jerusalem once again, that they've all come together, um, and that they are ready. They are ready for this, this messianic king that, uh, that God keeps promising that is going to uh, arise out of David's lineage. And so during Jesus' week, we read Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, these were all apostles of Jesus, which means they followed Jesus, but they also believed in his teachings, like, you know, you can follow Jesus, but you also have to believe in what he says and, and follow what he says. Um, so we're going to see that all three of these books are going to give the same information, just from different perspectives. And so all of these guys, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are going to talk about the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, how he was born from the Virgin Mary, not really well known throughout his childhood. He, it's not until his 30s that he actually starts performing all these miracles and giving these teachings um, to the Jews. Um, and also um, the Gentiles. But we're going to see, yeah, just all these parables and teachings of Jesus, um, you know, like the, the farmer and the seed, um, teachings like that, and also his healings and miracles, like when the, the guy couldn't walk and he's like, arise, you know, you can walk now. You, I forgive you from your sins. We're going to see like miracles like that. Um, but we're also going to see that Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, um, but that there's truly a purpose for that. There's a purpose why he was sent um, and that everything that was spoken by the prophets in the Old Testament is now being fulfilled, that the promise that God made to send someone from um, King David's lineage, lineage has come to pass, that the Messiah is here, that, that the Messiah has arrived. And so we're going to see, um, yeah, that the reason that Jesus came um, was not only to fulfill what was said in the Old Testament, but, like, Jesus came as a servant to redeem the people from bondage of sin through the blood he shed on the cross. So the whole reason that Jesus came was because we see before this, they had to continuously make offerings after offerings for the atonement of their sins so that they could be holy 
and be in God's presence um, and dwell in God's presence. But we're going to see that because of Jesus, they, we don't have to worry about that anymore. We don't have to worry about being holy. We simply are, we, we can be holy because of his blood that was shed on the cross. And um, I think, yeah, so we see that since the beginning, God's been trying to restore humanity. And because of Jesus, this is possible. We now have eternal life with God forever and ever. And this shows heavily how God fulfills everything he speaks. Everything he says will come to pass. And so I just think um, it's very important that, that we acknowledge that Jesus didn't just appear. Like, he didn't just show up. Like, this is something that God has been promising since Genesis 3.15. Like, this is something that he's been speaking on since the very, very beginning. It's always been in his heart to restore the people and to be with, be with them once again. Because he just wants them to have, even if it's just a small taste of his presence and his holiness, um, even if it's just a small glimpse of, of the face of God, that's what he wants these people to experience in their lives because he just loves us that much. Um, and so I just mentioned Matthew um, 28, 5 through 6. It says, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. So after he is crucified, um, he's crucified by the Romans, um, but mostly it was um, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Jews, that wanted him persecuted. And that was because they, they didn't understand who this Messianic king was going to be. Like, their idea was it was going to be a strong warrior or someone like King David, a political warrior that was um, really going to, to, yeah, win a victory. But instead it was a suffering servant that came down to earth and his name was Jesus. And so we're going to see that, yeah, the Jews don't understand. They don't understand what's going on. And they have this very legalistic um, mentality and they're not able to let that go. They're truly not able to let that go. And so every time Jesus speaks or does something, they're going to, you know, call him a blasphemist and be like, you aren't the son of God, even though he never says he's the son of God. He says he's the son of man. And I think that's very important is because he doesn't try to flaunt who he is. He doesn't try to flaunt his authority or power that he has. He simply just wants to love and love on others and, and yeah, make others know that there is hope and, and to be that light for, the, for many of the people during that time that didn't have it. Um, so, yeah, anyway, sorry, that was more of a sermon than my thing. Oh, so I have some memes. <laughs> so, anyways, if you look to your left, it says, didn't I tell you I came to serve psh, water into wine? How about ankles into water? Anyways, he's balling it up with the devil or whatever. And then on the right, we have, so I was chilling with my homies at the Last Supper, and I was like, bros, this food you're eating is my body. They were like, no way. And I was like, Yahweh. <laughs> So I just had to mention those. Those are just some classics to lighten up the mood, I guess. Um, so yeah, anyways. So now we are entering da -da -da, church week. Also, I thought this was very beautiful. Um, it might be associated with Catholicism, but we're going to pretend it's not. Anyways. So moving on, church week. This is my favorite week, guys. And like, be, like I never like took church week seriously or like like when we had church week like I took it seriously but I didn't really understand like God was definitely speaking to me during that week but it wasn't until afterwards that I like actually understood like everything that I had just read because it was a lot of reading like acts it was a lot like there's a lot going on I was very overwhelmed during that week but like now I look back on it and I'm like wow that was actually one of my favorite weeks like honestly I loved it and here's why because in my small town in my southern baptist church we don't speak on Antioch and so that was my first time learning about Antioch, guys. And let me tell you, oh, my gosh, Antioch Church, guys, we are Antioch. Let me just say, like, we are. Like, that is where we originated from. Like, that's where, like, we're called Christians. Like, that's the first time we heard, like, the phrase Christian coming to be was because of Antioch Church. Like, this 
is, yeah, Antioch is so important. Like, this is when we're going to see, like, the releasing of the Holy Spirit. We're going to see that the Gentiles and Jews are going to become one. We're going to see all these spiritual gifts are going to be happening. People are going to be speaking in tongues. There's going to be prophetic words given to people individually, like we kind of have here a lot. Um, really, really cool things are going to start to happen during this time period. And I love it so much, guys. Um, so pretty much um, we're going to see that, yeah, after, after Jesus, so Jesus um, resurrected. Um, Jesus is no longer on earth. And so his commandment is obviously to love others, love me, but also the Great Commission. And that is, um, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So we're going to see that during this time, that after Jesus has resurrected, he's going to tell the people like, hey, like, I need you to make disciples. Like, I want you to make my name known. Like, I want you to go and love on these people. I want you to love on the Gentiles, even though the Jews are my chosen. Like, I want you to love on these people because they deserve my love just as much as you guys do. So we're going to see a lot of things happening. We're going to see, um, I put this quote, um, I actually got it from Maps Global, <laughs> but it says, um, it says, I found my tribe, and so I found my destiny. And that's something that's so important is, like, during this time, um, people are coming together as one. And they're finding their tribe. You know, as humans, we all desire um, to, for someone to understand us. That's what we want. We want some, someone to understand us or people to understand us. And so we're going to see that, that these Gentiles and Jews and all these nations, all these different cultures and languages, they're all going to come together. And it's so beautiful. And I think that's why I love missions so much is to see how we're all so different. But that when we come together, it's just so powerful. It's just such a precious and sacred thing. And so, and in that, because these people have found this tribe, they've become part of Antioch, they now find their destiny. And that is so important because these people truly don't know, like, what they're doing, like, why they're here. Like, they know Jesus, but they don't really know Jesus. And so they're trying to figure things out. And so we see people like Paul, who's going to help lead, spiritually lead these people in Antioch and really help them and show them just who Jesus was. Because a lot of these people, you know, never got to meet Jesus. Um, and so... It's so important that during this time, it's just when purpose and destinies are found. And I, I think that is just so, so powerful. And we're going to see that, that, every, that everything and everyone shares everything in common. What I mean by that is Acts 4, 33, 35. It says, And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. We're going to see that everybody gets to encounter the Holy Spirit, that the releasing of this Holy Spirit, even though Jesus has descended, he's going to send his Holy Spirit and that everyone is going to get to encounter the Holy Spirit, not just the priests, not just the Jews, but everyone gets to have the Holy Spirit living within them. And I think that is just so precious. And, like, we like we are Antioch. Like, we are Gentiles. So this, like, this is, like, where we started. Like, this is our, this is our history. Like, this is where it all began for us. And I think that's something that a lot of churches, just like mine, don't speak on. That truly needs to be spoken on because it changes your perspective of everything. And truly it changes your perspective of why you're Christian to begin with. Um, so yeah, God's redemptive plan is that God is through sending Jesus. Um, he has made it possible for all of us to be one, one body, one church, one nation, all worshiping the same God. This is really just where we're going to see God is unifying his character nature of God is unifying that he truly is just trying to bring all of these nations, all these tribes and tongues together, um, to just fix their eyes on the Lord and just to dwell, um, in his presence. And that, that is just so powerful to, to encounter the Holy Spirit in itself is just so powerful. 
Um, I remember the first time I encountered the Holy Spirit. I was in Washington, D.C., and it was insane, guys. I, Yeah, it still to this day feels like it was a dream. Like I was like, what? But anyways, so yeah, church week is very, very important. So now we get into Paul, which I included this because, you know, Paul, John as well, but Paul is a lot, it's a lot of, um, he talks a lot about love, so kind of like the love letters, I guess. Um, so we're going to move into Paul. There's Paul. We, I don't know if he actually looked like that, but let's just pretend he did. The mustache is pretty nice, not going to lie. He pulls it pretty hard. But anyways, so Paul week, we read a lot. Um, you can see the book that we read. But all of these, um, so Paul, first, he was an apostle of Jesus. He followed Jesus in his teachings. Um, before that, though, we see um, that Paul hated Christians. He, his name was Saul, and he actually um, caused a lot of um, persecution in the church. We're going to see he's going to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and things are going to change in his life, and he's going to start um, to, to acknowledge that, that Jesus is the Son of God, um, but, and, but also acknowledge that Gentiles deserve the right to know God just as much as the Jews. And so we're going to see that he's going to write all these letters to different churches addressing the different kinds of challenges that each church is facing. Even though the Holy Spirit is there, there's still going to be problems. There's still problems today, such as heresy, persecution, corrupt leaders, sexual immorality, selfishness, and pride. That's stuff that is still happening today in the churches and outside of the churches. And so that's what Paul focuses on heavily during this time. But this also goes to show that he's also speaking to us because this is stuff still happening present day. Um, I included Romans 5.10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Um, so, yeah, Paul is really going to, during this time, encourage the people to remain faithful to Jesus by loving one another, living a righteous life through serving others, living as Jesus did, laying down your all for all of those around you. Um, having devotion to Jesus requires um, sacrificing, and he's truly going to speak on how the gospel is the foundation of everything we know, that if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, like, none of this would be possible. We wouldn't even know how to truly love others, and, and how, we wouldn't know what it's like to even be loved. Um, so his, his redemptive plan is that he's going to speak how the gospel is what builds our foundation, how it helps us experience real love, and that was God's whole purpose, was for us to experience his love, but most importantly, to show it to others. And so we're going to see this character nature of God as our reconciler, that he's going to bring us. Uh, Jesus Christ was the one who brought reconciliation through the cross and through his blood, that he made it possible for us to be with God once again. And I think we, we so easily forget that if it wasn't for the gospel, there wouldn't be any reconciliation. If, if Jesus wasn't here, there would be no reconciliation. Um, so we wouldn't even know what it looks or what it feels like to, to be reconciled. Um, but Jesus brought reconciliation, reconciliation to the whole world and to each of our lives. And then last, we have John Week. I included Revelation 21.4 where it says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither um, shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the formal things, um, yeah, have gone away. So I thought that was a really powerful quote. So yeah, John week. So this is the end. We are at the end, guys. Thank you for remaining strong as we go through this. Um, but yeah, so this these books were written by John. He was an apostle of Jesus. Um, we're going to see John's epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And this is where John is going to speak heavily on how we should express love and fellowship with God and others through the foundation of the gospel. So very similar to Paul, very, very similar to Paul, how he's going to show how we need to express love and fellowship, not only to God, but to others. And the only way we can make that possible is if the foundation is the gospel in our lives. Um, and so, and then Revelation just talks about this continue, continue, continuation of God's redemptive plan, but that there's still more to come, that we are still um, part of God's, God's redemptive plan. Um, 
And so we're gonna see, um, yeah, just this renovation that God is gonna create one day a new universe out of an old one and that the new heavens and the new earth are gonna come together and that he's gonna totally renovate both the invisible and visible um, realms of perfect beauty and harmony. Um, so that hasn't come yet, but it's definitely in the works. Um, so we're gonna see this as God restores and renews. And then I just mentioned Revelation 22:20. 20, it says, he who testifies to these things says, surely I'm coming soon, amen, come Lord Jesus. So obviously we're still waiting for Jesus to return, um, but we still are part of the fulfillment of God's redemptive plan. Um, and so yeah, I just wanna end with personal revelation real quick. I'm running out of time. Um, but yeah, obviously I learned a lot. There's a lot that happened, a lot of crazy things. I came here really hungry for the word of God. Um, I just really wanted to read through the whole Bible. That had always been a goal in my life. And so that's a lot of the reason why I wanted to come, but to also to understand, not just read it, but to actually under, understand what I was reading. And so I, you know, coming here, I really learned that it, you learn more amongst community and you learn more when you have people that are willing to spiritually lead you and also to encourage you and, and to point out maybe things that, that you're twisting or, you know, making legalistic in your mind. Um, but more importantly, like, I allowed the Holy Spirit to transform my heart and a lot of pride had to be knocked down during this school. I had a lot of pride um, and a lot of arrogance and I really just had to be like, okay, Holy Spirit, like, you know, come into my heart. Like, I want you to transform me through the word. And it was about half, halfway through the school that, that, that I allowed the Holy Spirit to do that. Um, and since then, like, just seeing, like, the intimacy in my relationship with him through his word has just been so powerful. And, like, I don't feel the same. I feel totally different. And I feel more prepared and more ready and more willing to express why I believe what I believe because I now have the biblical foundation and I, I now know the truth. Um, and to also be able to see when, you know, people are speaking out of heresy or, you know, whatever. I can acknowledge things a lot easier now, um, which has truly been a blessing. So, yeah, I just end with this picture. Oh, wait, I forgot to say thank you, guys. Um, thank you, students, staff, speakers, for blessing us, blessing me, blessing each of us here. Um, yeah, stay swaggy, I guess. Here's a picture of Jesus with a guitar, which I just noticed is like that one. That's crazy. Anyways. <laughs> Um, so yeah, there's that, but I just wanted to end with this picture of Kanye West. <laughs> Remember to read your Bible. That's all I have. Thank you. <laughs> Honestly, I should read.